Today we are in 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, and it just so happens on this Pastor Appreciation Day for Isaac and, and uh, just uh, thinking about pastors and pastoral ministry, we're talking about leadership and in particular elder leadership from the Bible. And uh, let me read the passage. It's actually, our primary passage is a short passage, 1 Peter chapter 5, and let me start in verse 1. Here's what it says. It says here, Peter says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. I'm going to just get straight to the point, and I'm going to speak very directly to you as a church, okay? What I need this sermon to do in our community and in our church is I need this sermon to inspire men in our church to desire to be leaders in the church. Not every man in the church is called to be an elder or a pastor in the church, but we need elders in our church. Pastor Downing's departure is a loss of an elder. One elder who's here, Paul Cohn, who's served faithfully last three years, his term is up. He'll be stepping down at the end of the year. As a ministry, we are on the threshold of some awesome things that God has for us. But we need shepherds in our church. We are now down to two elders, myself, I'm a pastor, elder, and then Cameron Easley. We need elders. We need God to raise up elders and shepherds in our church and no matter how talented we are and how many great people we have in our church and we got some awesome people in our church amen and God has provided for us and God has done great things in this church in the last 13 years but moving forward to get all that God has for us we need elders and at first, as I began to think about this sermon and this text and our need and just our lack of shepherds in the church, I mean, flat out lack of leadership in our church, I began to get depressed and discouraged. But then I thought about Jesus. And I remembered that Jesus had a similar feeling of discouragement. In fact, here's what he said in Matthew chapter 9. And listen carefully, this is such a great passage, and he's speaking to the disciples. But it says here in Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 and following, it says, When he saw the crowds, that is, Jesus sees the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful. Everybody say plentiful. 
Lift up your eyes and see the harvest. Look up, lift up your eyes and see the fruit that God has for you, Crosspoint Church. Lift up your eyes and see that all that God has for you. Lift up your eyes and see that the harvest is plentiful. Ah, but the problem. But the laborers are few. Now, who's he talking about? Shepherds. Who are the laborers? Shepherds. The crowds have no shepherds. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The shepherds are few. Therefore, pray earnestly. Everybody say pray. Pray. Listen, not everybody who hears this text and this sermon about elders, it's not going to be relevant to everybody here. It's just not. But what is relevant is you praying for shepherds. Not only praying for the shepherds you have, but praying for the shepherds that God is calling to be shepherds in the church. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers into his harvest. I love this. He looks at the disciples and says, you need to pray for shepherds. You need to pray that the Lord of the harvest will sovereignly raise up shepherds to go get the harvest for God's glory. And then in chapter 10, which I won't read, after he tells them to pray, he goes, oh, now that you've prayed, guess who gets to do it? You do. You are the answer to your own prayer and beloved we have a vision and our vision is a vision of leadership God cares about leadership it's important to God and God in the Old Testament and the New Testament threatens horrible things on his people if they do not have leaders who lead biblically And he threatens horrible things to his people if he does not have followers who follow the leaders he provides. And what you and I have to do is we got to come to this text and we got to get a heart for elder leadership. We got to get a heart for shepherding leadership. We got to get a heart and see what God does in our community to rise up some shepherds in our church. And that's why 1 Peter 5 is so awesome. Because what Peter begins to do to these churches who maybe are thinking that this is not that important. Who maybe think the church isn't important or being involved in the church is important or submitting to leadership isn't important. Or being leaders who are servant leaders after the heart of Jesus is important. He wants them to know if you're going to be exiles living in a dark land. If you're going to be the church living in a land that is godless. You have to have a community of shepherds who are faithful you got to have a community of healthy shepherd elders. And so I want to take this text and I want to ask two questions today. The first question is, what is an elder? What is an elder? This is kind of different language, not very modern language, elder. What is an elder? An elder comes from a Greek word, presbytoi, right? And it really is a title for leaders in the church. This word elder is used by Luke, by Paul, by Peter, by James. It's used all over the place, and it's always used to describe the leaders of the church. It's interesting because elders is never used in the singular. It's always used in the plural. And what Paul did in the book of Acts and what he tells Timothy to do and what James talks about is that churches are to be led by elders. 
They are to be led by elders. Now, if we could use modern nomenclature, if we were to use modern language to try to think about what's the equivalent of elders in our own day, what's a term? It would be the leadership team of the church. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about elders. Now, the word literally means old men. So some people think that the only people who should be uh, the leadership team of the church is old men. But we know that that's not the case in all situations because we know that James, who's probably the most famous elder in all of the Bible in the book of, of Acts, he was a young man when he was an elder. Peter, when he's commissioned to be an elder in John 21, which we'll get to in a minute, he was a young man before he was, uh, when Jesus commissioned him to feed my sheep, he told Peter. And so elders, as old men, it really refers to wisdom or wise and godly men who are to be elders. No doubt Timothy was a young man when he was a pastor elder in Ephesus, and he appointed elders in the church of Ephesus. And so as a young man, he appointed elders. So elders are the leadership team of wise and godly men, and that's a title. Elders is a title of the leaders of the church. But what's the job description of elders in the church? Well, we have it right here. In fact, if you look at verse 2 in chapter 5 there, he says, shepherd, everybody say shepherd, shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight. We have two job descriptions there. The first one is shepherd, which, which is the same word that we use for pastor. So many of you all think of me as a shepherd. When you say Pastor Josh, you're actually saying shepherd Josh. A pastor is a shepherd of sheep, right? And so shepherd and pastor are synonyms for elder. You're like, elder is the title, shepherding is the job description. Elder is the title I get, shepherding is what I do, right? Elders shepherd the flock. The second job description is exercising oversight. comes from a Greek word, ex, uh, uh, episkopoi, which literally is bishop. How many of y'all have heard the, the word bishop before, right? You might read that in some of your translations, bishops. Bishop is a job description of an elder because a bishop is an overseer of God's flock. So you could call me Bishop Joshua Goodrich, which I kind of like. You know, TV ministry, Bishop Joshua, you know what I mean? I like that. You know, I'm going to grow some big hair, get a big collar, and I should drive a caddy. Okay, anyways, but bishop is a synonym for elder. So hear me now. I'm, I'm giving you some Bible teaching. Whenever you read the word overseer, that's an elder. Whenever you read elder, that's an overseer. Whenever you see shepherd or pastor, that's an elder. There's synonyms describing the same role in the church. There's a leadership team in the church of men who are elders, wise and godly, who shepherd and give oversight to the church. That's what an elder is. That's what elders are. And every church should have not one. Everybody say, not one. Now, you can't have just one elder. And why is that, do you think? you got to have a team. And we're all, we're all filthy sinners, too. Even in my best days, I need accountability, don't I? I need men. I, I need more than two men in my life. And they need me in their life. And you have to have a team of elders who are holding each other accountable. Because even in Christ... And with the Holy Spirit, and with the Bible, and with the call to preach, and, and a pastor, and a shepherd, every day I wake up a liar. 
Every day I wake up in need of God's grace and encouragement. We have to stir one another up to love. And there's no way I can follow Jesus as a lone ranger. Amen? And by the way, neither can you. And the moment I begin to step away from that accountability, and the moment there's leaders without a team, is the moment that you have power that corrupts. You need a plurality of elders. That's why Jesus called the 12 to be the apostles, because he knew Peter was going to mess it up. And Matthew needed Peter. And then when you read about elders in the Jerusalem church in the book of Acts, James needed those other elders. You see, there's a plurality of leadership. A leadership team of godly men who shepherd and give oversight. But see, we still have questions about what the role of an elder is. We're like, but what does that mean? That's such archaic language. I mean, I'm not a farmer, amen. I don't have sheep. I'm not a shepherd. I grew up, my daddy's a lawyer, all right? So it's a miracle. I'm up here right now. I don't know anything about sheep and shepherding. And people come into my office. They tell me all the time, here's what a shepherd does. They pet the sheep and they hold the sheep. And they, you know, I mean, it's like, what, what are we talking about? When we say that elders are to shepherd the flock and give oversight, what are we talking about? And you know who the model is for this. And, and we don't have to guess about what this looks like or what it means because all we got to do is go to Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 10, Jesus, the chief shepherd, the ultimate example, the one that elders are connected to and modeling their leadership after. They're, they're modeling their leadership after Jesus. And I want to go to Jesus to learn how to be an under-shepherd because he's the chief shepherd. He shows me exactly what it is to be an elder who gives shepherding oversight to his flock. In fact, he says in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. And let me, let me tell everybody here that what you need in your life to make you right with God is not elders human-wise. You need the, the God-man, Jesus, to be your saving shepherd. He's the way to be saved, not a church or its leadership. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. What is a shepherd? A shepherd cares deeply and takes ownership of the flock, takes ownership of the outcome in people's lives. We talked about this at Foundations, and I have to tell you, let me just, full disclosure, I've been a pastor for 12 years, and there have been moments in my life and in my ministry when I've rented the church more than I've owned the church. I've been a renter and not an owner, a dater, but not married to the church and not caring ultimately about the outcome of the flock. I've cared about myself at times. I've been selfish. And what can the church do for me? And, and, and how can the church puff up my ego? And, and, and how can the church be about my ministry? How selfish, God, help me. And God has brought deep conviction. That is not like the Savior. The Savior lays down his life for the sheep. And that's so important because, listen, when we're given roles of leadership, by the way, in any area of our life, 
there's a temptation to either model our leadership after the servant heart of Jesus who's sacrificial or to model our leadership after the world which is selfish, which uses leadership for its own outcome. And here you see Jesus who gives his life for the sheep. And you know what? When things get tough, everybody say tough. Elders hang in there. Elders hang in there. When the wolves start coming, when the hard times start coming, when the criticism starts coming, when people don't agree with everything, your direction as a shepherd, shepherds, true shepherds, good shepherds like Jesus, hang in there. They don't flee. They don't go, here's the wolves, here's the hard times. I got to go to another flock because it's not going to be comfortable anymore. You know what I'm saying? Shepherds hang in there. That's been hard for me too. Hanging in there. He says, when the wolves come, your job is to lay down your life for the flock. And you know what Crosspoint needs? We need elders who love Jesus so much. They see who Jesus is and they want to serve and sacrifice and make those sacrifices and lay down their lives. And the question is, who's the wolves? And you know what? Jesus talked about who the wolves was and what this means. In fact, in, in Matthew chapter 7, In verse 15, Jesus said this about wolves. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. When you take that, and I'm sorry I'm giving so much passages, you can write these down. But but when you take that passage with Acts chapter 20, verses 28 and following, where Paul says to the Ephesian elders, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. What's an overseer? Shepherd, elder, bishop. He's made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Hey, does Jesus love the church? Yes, he does. He died for the church. He gave his blood for the church. He said, I will build my church. What an honor it is to be a shepherd who gets to protect the very thing he purchased with his own blood. Paul is, he's emphasizing to these elders, listen, Jesus laid down, give oversight to this church that Jesus gave his blood for. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, why would I give you all those passages to tell you this? Shepherds protect the church from false teaching. Shepherds make sure that the flock is taught the Bible and the gospel and what it looks like to follow Jesus in this world. That's what it means to shepherd the flock. That's what it means to give oversight to the flock. That is our compassion for people. Now listen, we care about all suffering We care about all human suffering, and we want to help people in all of their conditions, but the most important suffering we care about is the eternal welfare of people's souls. And shepherds must shepherd the church and protect it with teaching and gospel and make sure more people are receiving a worldview that's consistent with the creator God and leaving the worldview of the culture. That's what shepherds do, and they do it with love. Everybody say love. And if I could break it down, because I, 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 I mean, we could do a whole series on elder leadership, but if I could break down overseer, bishop, and shepherd, pastor, as the job description of the elder, I would break it down to it's men who support truth and love in the community of the church together. Warren Worsby used to say, you know, all truth without love is brutality. 
Isn't that right? And sometimes there's a temptation. Let me tell you something. Sometimes I want to get so legalistic. I want to get so legalistic. I want to take the Bible and not pound you, but, <laughs> but you know, you want to hit, you know, like, let me shepherd you. Truth without love is brutality. But check this now. Love without truth is hypocrisy. And the only place I believe where we can find both truth and love in balance, which brings about transformation, is in the church if it's healthy and if it has shepherds who love people but love them too much not to also tell the truth, but tell the truth in a way that is honoring to the forgiveness and the, unfor- and the, for- and the forgiving love of God in Jesus Christ. We need men who care about the flock with truth and love. And let me tell you something. To bring both of those things to any table in any relationship takes courage. Cowards can love without being in the truth. And cowards can, can be truthful and brutal without love. It takes courage to show up, to say what needs to get said, in a way that honors the love of God. And there are very few people who get that right. That's why relationships are crumbling all around us. Elders get it. Elders show up. Pray for me as an elder. Because there's days when I don't have courage. There's days when I don't get truth and love right. There's days when I'm swinging to the fences, unlike the St. Louis Cardinals. With brutality. And there's days when I'm so soft, I'm so soft, and I enable and empower defeat in people's lives in the name of love, in the name of tolerance, in the name of not wanting to offend anybody, in the name of wanting to please people and not please God. Oh, please, no, I love you. You can do what you want. We need shepherds who bring it together. I love you. I'm concerned for you. I I want the best outcome for you. Let me bring the truth in love. That's the role of the elders. And beloved, those are the kind of labor leaders we need. You need to pray for Crosspoint. Raise them up, God. Release that kind of leadership into our church. Release it into my heart, in our elders, and our leadership team of men who have both of those things. Release elder leadership in Crosspoint Church. Holy Spirit, bring this to our church. Please, Lord, we need your grace. That's the role of elders. But then we come to the readiness, and this is really the the important thing. We begin to ask ourselves, okay, I get it. That's great. I can pray for this. But who is really ready? I mean, who is really prepared? Who are qualified to be those kind of leaders in the church? Who do we got, and what does it take? And we come back to 1 Peter chapter 5, and look at verse 1. I want to begin to outline for you readiness for elders or the qualifications that Peter helps us to understand for elders. Listen to this. He says, I love this first verse, by the way. He says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ 
as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Now, this is a very interesting verse. Very interesting indeed. Very interesting verse. Because when he says, I am a witness of the sufferings of Jesus, we know best case scenario, that is at a distance. Can I get an amen? And yet he says, I'm a fellow elder. I've witnessed the sufferings of, of Jesus. What do we know about Peter? We know that Peter denied Jesus three times. We know that when the going got tough, Peter got to running. We know he denied Jesus three times and he cussed within those three denials. We know this about Peter. So it's an interesting verse when he says, I'm a fellow elder. How could he say he's a fellow elder? Ah, good question. We go back to John chapter 21. And we remind ourselves of what made him an elder. John chapter 21, verses 15 and following. Listen to this. This is the resurrection of Jesus. This is Jesus eating breakfast with Simon Peter. We know that Peter has to be filled with some kind of guilt. He has to be filled with some kind of sorrow. But he's really happy that Jesus is alive. And it says this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Shepherd picture there. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And what was Jesus doing? Jesus was recommissioning Peter into a role of leadership after great failure. And here's the first qualification for a man who becomes a great shepherd in the church. It is a man who has a deep understanding of his forgiveness, and he's personally attached to Jesus Christ because of it. You cannot be a leader in the church unless you understand profoundly your own forgiveness in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to have a profound understanding. I am the chief of sinners. I've denied Jesus, and yet he's forgiven me, and he's restored me to a place of usefulness. And I am personally attached to Jesus, the chief shepherd, because he has forgiven me of my sins, and I'm aware of that forgiveness. How powerful is that? You know, I wonder, I wonder How many men have refused to be an elder in the church because of something in their past? I'm curious. How how much has religion kept some really great forgiven men to being leaders in the church because they are still held down by past defeat and failure? And you know what? There's encouragement here because Jesus' forgiveness is so powerful and so cleansing That it gives us a new beginning. In fact, anyone who's in Christ, the old has passed away, the new has come. Amen? Anyone who's come to Christ has has been forgiven, has experienced the grace of God. And there are men who have failure in their past, whether it's with marriage, whether it's with with, uh, drugs, whether it's with with being a religious, moral, uh, prideful, arrogant person. And Jesus comes and forgives that man and gives that man a new start and begins to grow and mature that man. Listen to me. I'm not saying that every forgiven man man in here is called to be an elder, but I do know this. You might be an elder one day no matter what your past is. You need to be open because you know what? It really 
the, the key to leadership is humility, but it's also confidence. And the only way you get humility and confidence is when you profoundly understand your forgiveness. And the only way you can shepherd people in love and in truth with a great mix and balance is if you understand, I know what it's like to struggle. I know what bondage is like. I know that save for the power of God, I would not be here. No one is born a Christian. We're all born sinners. What Billy Graham used to say, you, you know, just because you're born in a garage doesn't make you a car. And just because you're born in the church doesn't make you a Christian. You know what makes you a Christian? When you go, I have sinned against God. And I've come to Jesus and I've experienced this forgiveness and this love. And it stood me up on my feet and it's given me a new day and a new dawn. And it's given me a new life. And in that new life, I am now ready to follow Jesus willingly, eagerly, wantingly. What's the qualifications? Men who understand their forgiveness and are personally attached to Jesus because of it. Hmm. Here's the second thing. Who are qualified to be a shepherds? Those who understand what a privilege. Everybody say privilege. You understand what a privilege it is to shepherd the church. What an honor. What an awesome, fantastic privilege it is to serve the church of Jesus Christ. What an amazing, phenomenal honor it is. God help me, I've taken this for granted for years. I've taken this for granted for years. I've been a hot shot. I've been a man who, who, who just thinks that somehow this is no big deal. Peter says that there is a crown awaiting Elders in heaven, shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, not like, oh my gosh, I've got to do this again. Oh my gosh, I guess I'll have to go shepherd them again. What sinfulness. No, no, no. These are men who want to serve, willing, eager, not for shameful gain. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Jesus is going to meet elders who are faithful. He's going to meet shepherds who are faithful with the gospel, who shepherded his flock. And he's going to say, here's a crown for you. Revelation tells us we would throw those crowns at the feet of Jesus. But how awesome it will be to throw something at his feet. This is, our church is such a lovely, lovely thing. Jesus loves you, Crosspoint. But he wants you to love the idea of eldership. He wants you to love this idea. Listen to what 1 Peter, or I'm, pardon me, 1 Peter. 1 Timothy. Chapter 3, verse 1. What a beautiful thing the church is, especially when there's healthy elders. But listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires 
Who aspires to this? If anyone aspires, makes it their ambition, makes it their desire. If anyone aspires to the office of bishop, also elder, also pastor, also shepherd. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Noble task. Only men who understand the privilege, who get that, who aspire, who want that that crown to throw at Jesus' feet, only those men are qualified to be an elder of the church. And I'm praying that God is raising up men right now. And maybe even men who haven't even come to Crosspoint yet. We are becoming a church for people who aren't even here yet. There are men out there who are going to get saved. Who are going to become Christians. Who are going to grow in the spirit. And they're one day going to aspire to shepherd humbly. To shepherd in truth and love. The church of Jesus Christ. God, bring them, Lord. Bring them in bunches. Bring them in teams. Bring them in, 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 in herds. Bring those who understand. This is awesome. I love baseball. I love it. I think Jesus gave us baseball as a gift. I think he gave us, like, playoffs and World Series. I think it's a godly thing. I think God wants us to have fun watching baseball and watching the right team win. (laughs) I used to dream about playing baseball. My grandfather played baseball. My grandfather played for the St. Louis Cardinals. He played with the Gas House Gang. He batted about 249 for 10 years in the major leagues. He He played with Ted Williams. He's convinced Ted Williams is in heaven just because he's Ted Williams. I had to tell him, Papa, you're not justified by Ted Williams alone. (laughs) And my grandfather played in two World Series. He managed the White Sox. He was a coach for the White Sox when they went to the World Series in 1959, and they lost. Those men, they go and they play that game. You don't want to know why they play for that game? For the ring. The World Series ring. And you know what it's like to meet a man who has a World Series ring and you shake his hand and you say, that's a great ring. What a great ring. I used to, my grandfather was not good enough to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, but he got into like the Missouri State Sports Hall of Fame and he got inducted into the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame. I got to meet, I met Marcus Allen. He had a ring. You meet these men who have these rings, and you go, wow, that would be really cool to have a ring. I just would be really cool. When my grandfather died, he left his rings. He was a scout for the Dodgers, so he had some Dodgers World Series rings. He had some World Series rings. He gave them to my dad, so I'm waiting for my dad to go meet with Jesus. Maybe I'll get one. <laughs> Peter's talking about a crown. Everybody say crown. And the Romans had crowns. They didn't have rings. They had crowns. And if you won a race, you'd get a crown. Or if you had a military triumph, you'd get a crown. And every time you walk into the Senate, even your political enemies would have to stand up and clap for you if you wore a crown into the parliament of the Roman leadership. 
Even those people who hated you, they'd have to stand. How great would that be for people that hate you? They have to stand up and go, yes, he's got a crown. Peter says, elders, go into heaven. And the angels, the myriads of living creatures will recognize the crown that elders who are faithful get. And they watch you throw it at your feet. You know what Peter's saying? There is nothing in this world compared to those crowns. It makes a World Series ring look dumb. It makes a grass crown that some Roman military general won look dumb. It's so great. And he says, elders, yeah, those who aspire get a crown. What a privilege. Men who understand their forgiveness and are personally attached to Jesus because of it. Men who understand the privilege that it is to be a shepherd in Jesus' church. How humbling that is. What a wonderful thing that is. And finally, I would say this. Men whose private and public lives match their personal testimony in Jesus Christ. Who's qualified. In fact, if you go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, let me read through this passage really quick and I'll be done. Paul says to Timothy, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, we interpret that at Crosspoint as a one-woman man. Literally, that's what the Greek says. One woman, man, which means a husband who has an eye only for his wife. An overseer, a bishop, a shepherd, an elder is sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? What a great question. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. I would love to break down each of those phrases, but the bottom line is his public life and his private life is consistent with his personal testimony in Jesus Christ. Now, no elder, no pastor is perfect. We are not talking about perfection, but we are talking about direction. The direction of his public life and his private life is consistent with his personal testimony that he's a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what... Paul is saying, and I need you, Cross Point, to pray for those men. Not for perfect men, but for men with spiritual direction, men with consistency. Men, if you put a camera in their home, you wouldn't see perfection. If there was a hidden bug in their home, they might not speak perfectly, but the overall arch of their life and their marriage and their money and their sex life and their, and their private uh, uh, and their public reputation in the community, all of that would, would, would add up to a testimony that, that demonstrates genuine faith and followership in Jesus Christ. That's why Peter talks about being examples, you see that? He says, being examples. Do we have men who could be examples of what it looks like 
to follow Jesus in this world. That's what we need. Because you know what? The way leadership in the church works, it doesn't work through bureaucracy. Church leadership doesn't work through a set of rules. It doesn't work through giving everybody a piece of paper and saying, this is what you're supposed to do. You know how the church community works? It works through example. It works through hearing other men pray, hearing other men, seeing what they're doing, seeing how they treat their wives, seeing how they treat their kids, seeing what they're doing, and and beginning to follow them. My daughter started going to a a Bible study on Friday nights, and and I've begun to hear that. I begin to hear her pray. I I get together with a guy uh, every every week, and and I can hear him praying like somebody else I know prays because we, we model our life after those that were around, don't we? That's how I learned how to pray. I learned how to pray by being with other men who prayed. I didn't have a clue how to pray. So I'd listen to him go, how do you do that? How do you say that? Thankfully, I had some good models. I had to figure it out. I had to learn how not to say dude every other word in my prayers. You know, dude, Lord, dude, 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 dude. I needed a man who didn't say dude every other word. I still do, actually. Examples. That means private public life is matching testimony. That's who's qualified. Those who understand the forgiveness are personally attached to Jesus because of it. Those who understand what a privilege it is to be an elder. And finally, those whose public and private lives match their personal testimony. Cross point, we need men who match that. Are you one of them? Are you? We need you like in 2016. We need God to raise up elders in our church. Here's the final thing. I want to go back and just one, I'm sorry, one more thing. He says here in verse 5, going back to 1 Peter 5, verse 5, he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And what Peter's saying, he's saying there's two things here. We need elders who look like Jesus, and we need members in the church who will follow those elders and submit to them. And I will say this to you. If you can't submit to the elders in your church, you need to find a church where you can submit to elders. Church is important. Being a part of a community is important. You need to believe in your leadership and then follow that leadership. Amen? That's what we need. God threatens horrible things to elders who don't do it right. Read Ezekiel chapter 9. God threatens horrible things to his people if they don't follow the the leaders that he gives to them. So we're going to have to be great leaders and great followers in our church community. That's what we're praying for. Amen. Let us pray. God, thank you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work dynamically with this good word spoken into our community. God and Lord Jesus, you said you would build your church. And part of you building that church is building this local expression of your worldwide church here at Cross Point. God, I pray that you would raise up laborers, that you would raise up leaders shepherds, elders, that you would raise them up, and Lord, that they would be qualified men, not perfect, but that you would qualify the called, and Lord, that you would make this environment, this culture, a culture of servant leadership, that we would begin to multiply and multiply leaders, that we would flourish in this area of our church and our life. God, give us a membership that believes in this, that prays for this, that desires this, that aspires to follow qualified elders in their life, to be shepherded in a community, to be provided oversight, 
God, do that in our church. And Lord Jesus, help us remember you are the chief shepherd. You are the one that we follow. You are the one that we lean on, that we identify with, that we are united with. And we know that the perseverance of faith is a community project. Lord, we know that following you requires loving one another. Help us to do that. Help us to do that as a church.